All right, so I kind of put a, um, an illustration here on the wall that I want to look at in a minute, but why don't you turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy with me. Uh, 1 Timothy, and I want to consider this uh, really important verse that, that I think will uh, give us an idea of, of the whole semester. Okay. And again, we're talking about how to think like a church planter. How to think like a church planter. And the verse I want to look at, 1 Timothy 3.15. 1 Timothy 3.15. How to think like a church planter. Now, we're in a very unique day today where there is a spiritual vacuum that's happening in our communities and in our cities and in our world. And you know what it is? The vacuum is the closure of spiritual communities, the closure of churches. Okay? The numbers are staggering, and I'm sure you've seen it. It's quickened me. We are, we are active church planners. I've church, I've church planted several churches. So in America right now, I think we have a huge opportunity to, uh, to practically, intentionally uh, reach out and to uh, build. And this is, these are the three words I want you to look at. I want you to look at this word plant, build, and the word strengthen. We're going to talk about these words in a minute. Okay? Now, in 1 Timothy 3.15... And by the way, I'll have some interaction questions here so that I'm not just talking at you, okay? Just because I, I want to hear your, uh, how you're processing what we're saying, okay? But it, how many would agree we have a vacuum going on? Wouldn't it be true? I mean, we're seeing this in our world, not just in America, but the numbers in America are for every 10 churches that close, three are reopening. Okay, think about that statistic for a minute. For every 10 churches that close, three are reopening. And in what condition are those churches? Okay. Well, it all depends on the integrity of the leader and their team and their convictions, right? So when we're talking about intro to church ministries, we want to think like a church planter. What is a church planter? Well, let's, let's answer that question together. So 315 says this. It says, uh, but if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Okay, and this is the, this is the statement, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Okay? The, okay, it's the church of the living God. It's alive. Isn't that good? It's not just an organization, but it's an organism. It's something that is, uh, that's organic. It has a heart. It's something that's uh, alive, alive to God, okay? The pillar and ground of truth, which is a huge statement as well, because a church is a lighthouse. It's a lighthouse in a dark place, right? You don't turn the light out at the lighthouse when there's a storm, right? You don't do that. No. At least you shouldn't, right? Because 
if you turn the light out at the lighthouse when there's a storm, guess what? The lighthouse becomes irrelevant or becomes uh, not useful, right? Because what does a lighthouse do? Gives light. To do what? To do what? Yeah, so people can see, to show the way, so that what doesn't happen? So the ships don't crash into the rocks, right? Well, imagine our world today uh, where evil is in increasing and the church is shamed, right? Uh, it's more important than ever is to have a lighthouse with a light on, right? The church is a hospital, right? It's not a country club, right? It's not an attaboy kind of place. It's, it's a place that's messy in a lot of ways. Love is messy, but it's a place of transformation, right? It's a where two or more are gathered. There is Christ in the midst of us. So a church is not only this huge, massive building, even though those are great. Um, really, the church is you. The church is me with the kingdom of God inside of us, okay? So we are looking to plant churches, okay? And I want to talk about what that means tonight a little bit, okay? And... Uh, <laughs> I'm stirred up in my spirit, so I want this to be very practical, and I want you to think like a church planter, and a church planter is someone that does five things, okay, five things, and when we say planting, uh, you know, just like a gardener, what, is a, what does a gardener do when you start to, to plant a bush or a flower or something in, the, in, the, uh, in his yard or her yard, what, what do they do? Yep. Okay. They dig a hole. Yep. Eventually, but what's the first thing you do? Go find a go find a place. Go find a what? Go find you a plant. Go find you a plant. Okay. Okay. That that's important. Find good soil. Find good soil. Okay. Okay. So. All those answers are right, but the very first thing you do is location, right? You think about where am I going to put my beautiful rose bush, right? Where am I going to put that? If I put it here in the driveway, right, I'll probably run over it, right? Or if I put it right in front of my door, I'll probably, uh, you know, I'll have to climb over it every day. So location is really important about church planting, okay? So I want us to think about uh, thinking like a church planter. So I want to give you this, uh, this definition as we develop this thought. A church planter is someone that is initiating and reproducing and establishing fellowships. Someone who's initiating, reproducing, and establishing fellowships for the use of preaching, discipleship, and training. Okay, that's a long definition. So, so a church planner is someone who's initiating, right? They're, they're taking the first step. Okay, just like you're getting ready to plant your rose bush, you're looking, okay, where is the place where my rose bush is going to uh, grow, have room to grow, and also be most enjoyed, okay? So they're initiating and reproducing. 
which means that they are actively uh, demonstrating, not just speaking, but they're demonstrating Christ and who he is, okay? And then not only are they doing that, they're establishing fellowships, right? Church fellowships, right? So a church like we have here in Baltimore, uh, this did not happen overnight. This, is, this has happened over uh, in Baltimore since 1987. So how many years is that? That's 34 years or 44 years? 34. 34. 34. Good. So that's a long time, right? So things don't happen overnight like the structures we have. I mean, they're, they're awesome. <laughs> but there was a lot of prayer. There was a lot of uh, seeking God and a lot of initiating and a lot of investing and a lot of pouring out. Okay? So a church planner thinking like that is they are always reaching. Okay? And I want you to look at this, this diagram for a minute. Okay? They're always reaching. Right? Just like a salesman, everyone's a client to the salesman. Uh, that's a terrible thing, actually, uh, in one sense. But in, in, the, in the Christian world, everyone to you and I is a lost soul. It's someone that needs to hear the gospel, right? Like, they need to hear the gospel. And my mission in God's uh, timetable and in God's initiation, we want to present the gospel to every person that he allows us to. So the church planter is always reaching, Okay, he's reaching out, reaching up, reaching in. He's reaching, okay? There's always something in his heart or her heart that is saying, you are important to God. You have value to God. And uh, this is how we are, um, Matthew 28, we are seeing the demonstration of the Great Commission where we were teaching, training, and baptizing people in Christ. The next thing we're seeing, and this list has several parts, so uh, just stay with me on this. We are restoring people, and this is identity. Okay, We are telling people, hey, you're made in the image of God. This is about our message. Okay, We're reaching, and then we have a message. Okay? Our message is our method, okay? Our message is everything, okay? We might not have all the fancy stuff, but what comes out of your and my mouth is something that reflects Jesus Christ plus nothing, okay? Jesus Christ plus nothing. That's why uh, denominations, we have to be so careful that we do not lose Jesus in, our, in the gospel. Okay. Uh, we cannot loot. We cannot. Traditions are great, but if they take the place of doctrines and these things, then they they uh, they can be counterproductive. So, so what is the gospel? Real simple. What is the gospel? Death, burial, resurrection. Yes. Yes, it is. Good news. Good news. Real simple, Jesus plus nothing, okay? If I have to add something, it's not, it's not the gospel, okay? So that certain sound, 1 Corinthians 14, 8, is Jesus plus nothing. So I might meet somebody on the streets, and many of you have, and they could be in a destitute situation. 
They could be, uh, I mean, there's stories that we could say all day long. Uh, I'm thinking of many. Uh, one particular story, I remember knocking on a door and a lady comes to the door. She's got a rainbow flag flying and outside in her porch. And, and I said, good afternoon. I said, I want to just tell you today how much Jesus loves you, right? Now, she was not prepared. Well, she was prepared for wrath, a message of wrath. And we did not give her that message. We gave her a message of identity. You are made in the image of God. Now, I'm not condoning anything of that nature, but that's not my message. My message is Jesus plus nothing. We got to share the gospel with her and her partner. And uh, she said, oh, she goes, I, you know, I would not be welcome in your church. And she had a lot of excuses. And our message wasn't clean yourself up and come to church. Our message was Jesus loves you. This is the truth. Let's walk in the image of God. Okay, restoration. Okay, actually, it was a good conversation. Usually, those can go pretty south. Re and then, thirdly, is reproduce. And this is where the church's main goal is discipleship. Discipleship. And uh, I think that has been lost in a lot of ways. Uh, so, our emphasis as a Bible school is why do we have Bible school? is to disciple people to be learners of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to refer to this throughout the whole semester, but notice the overlap. You see this overlap? You see this overlap? It overlaps. And this is our mission, okay? Our mission is all of these, right? We're reaching, we're loving, we're teaching. We're reaching, we're praying, and we're investing. We're reaching... And we're just believing God for people that need a touch from God. Okay? Does that make sense? Any questions on that? Isn't that good? Yeah, isn't that awesome? It's not like, it's not so neat and orderly like this, right? Maybe we're reaching and sowing, right, for a long time, right? Like we've been working in Frederick and things have come together in Frederick very quickly. Because there was years of sowing the seed, years of prayer, years, literally years of just, just uh, believing God. And we've been there for about a year and we've been telling people, restoring people back to who they are in Christ. Our message, right? our message, our message isn't, you know, Jesus plus fix everything do everything right, and all these things that tend to be a lot of messages, but instead it's it's really Jesus Christ wants a relationship with you. Not religion, but Jesus wants to transform your life, not through willpower, but through surrender, right? By knowing our Bible, by believing in faith, okay? Huge, huge difference, okay? And then reproduction, right? We're seeing uh, people will reproduce their kind, right? So we're seeing people come, hunger, and uh, really be transformed. So this is our mission. It's a mission of love. Love in truth, right? Love in truth, right? That, that, that tends to be this buzzword today. Love, 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 love. And that's right. But love in truth. Right? Love in truth. Because love without truth is what? It's a lie. But but what what could we say? Love without truth is hate. Mm, okay. Sentimentality. 
You could say it's sentimental, right? It's sentimental. Your answers are right, but I'm thinking love without truth is kind of like, uh, you know, I'm going to love, you can be loved and do whatever you want. I'm still going to love you. But that love can be dangerous, right? I love you, so I'm going to tell my eight-year-old to go play in the street because I love you. No, no, no. My love has boundaries. My love looks down the road and says, there's danger in the street, right? I love you enough to protect you. Speak the truth in love. How about, how about um, a truth without love? What's that? Law. That's the weapon of mass destruction, by the way. We saw that in Delaware. That's the most legalistic state I've ever been in, believe it or not. So we would talk to people, amazing people, amazing spirit, amazing hearts. I remember uh, just talking with people that had no confidence in eternal security uh, because they, they lived by the law. And that's, what's the problem with living by the law? Anybody cursed. know? <laughs> You're definitely cursed, but when you live by the law, what happens? Death. <laughs> what's that? You die by it, Sure. But what's one thing about the law that, that is just, you know, I'll just, you don't, you don't have the confidence that you're doing everything enough, yeah. right? Yeah, you don't have peace. You're just, just a little bit more. I'm a good person. Well, according to whose standards, right? Um, you know, if you, I'm, I'm obeying the law. Okay, well, if you sin in your mind, you're guilty of the whole law. Okay. It's like it's a, it's a futile action, right? So, um, and so many people are looking for truth, right? So many, this is, we could say people are looking for truth in themselves, right? That's what we're seeing in our world today. People are looking inward for truth, but we're saying the church is, truth is where? It's Christ. It's upward, okay? Truth is found as we look up. Everyone's looking for truth inwardly, and this is why there's so much anxiety and trouble. So the church is the pillar of truth. Isn't that good? Not your truth, not my truth, but the biblical absolute truth, okay? So planting, planting. We're going to talk about locating, mapping, and we're going to talk about really uh, impacting an area, okay? Locating, like, okay, what is an open place? Mapping, what is an open area? And then, of course, uh, impact. How to break through demonic strongholds and see God take this small yet precious seed and build his church. Exciting, huh? Yeah. It's good stuff. Okay, building. We're going to talk a lot about uh uh, infrastructure of the church, and then, of course, strengthening through encouragement. That's, a, that's the glue of team life. That's the glue of our walk of faith is encouragement, right? Encouragement, which is like Hebrew for encouragement is pouring strength into each other's heart, okay? So there's a lot we're going to talk about there. All right, so how you doing? You guys all right? Yes. Any questions so far? Kind of throwing a lot at you. Okay. Don't be afraid to call out. It's all good. All right, so let's look at this for a minute. It's the reach, restore, and reproduce. So, number one, the, the thinking like a church plan to remember they're initiating, right? They're intentional. Okay? 
Don't worry about the results. Amen? Don't worry about the results. The results are, are whose? They're God's, right? Just read Acts chapter 2. Amazing. Uh, I already run out of board here. Isn't that great? Acts chapter 2, we see that. Uh, I love this here. I think it's, uh, what do we have here? 38 through 47, that the Lord added. You count, count how many times in those verses how much the Lord added to the church. The Lord added. The Lord added to the church as much as he saw fit. So Acts 2, 38 through 47, God is building his dynamic church. And I'd like you to look at that passage tonight just for your meditation because a dynamic church is uh, has fruit. Okay, let, let me let me give you a couple of things that you're going to read in that in those verses. A dynamic or living church. Have you noticed that traditional churches are dying? Yes. Okay, it's sad to see, but uh, it's sad to see. But if it's not based in truth, if it's not based in the Bible, if it's not alive. Guess what? A lot of young people won't be gravitating to that kind of church. Okay? Or the older people won't stay. If there's not a mission and a reaching, guess what? Everything will be just become smaller and smaller and smaller. But a dynamic church, I want to give you a couple points here. Okay? So you can write these down or however you want to do it. But in Acts 2, 40, uh, Acts 2 38 through 47... A dynamic church is described in that verse, okay? Number one, it's a church that's learning the Word of God. It's learning the Bible, okay? It's not learning uh, the pastor's opinion. It's not learning the political, cultural uh, nuance for the day. No, no, it's learning the Bible. Isn't that good? Okay? So a dynamic church learn is learning the Bible, okay? <clears throat> because guess what the most powerful thing that the church planter has? What is the most powerful thing that you and I have? The Word of God. The Word of God, right? So our approach may be diverse, right? But our message is what? Jesus plus nothing, Okay. All right, the second thing about a dynamic church is dynamic fellowship, okay? Dynamic fellowship. It's alive. It's from the word dunamis. It's, it's like explosive, right? So when you come to a church service here, people are raising their hands, they're clapping, they're in the cafe, there's joy. It's, it's alive, right? And that's a beautiful testimony of a dynamic church. Okay? Now, I'm not saying a church that uh, is stoic is not dynamic, right? Stoic is if there's meditation and, and contemplation. That's one thing. But a dynamic church has dynamic fellowship. It's a place where you can be known, right? I had a guy this week. He says, I have been in churches all my life. And he said, I've come to this church for six months, and I have met more people in six months than in my whole church history. I said, that's great. I said, praise the Lord. I, another lady came to the church. She goes, I tried to, I tried to hide, because I thought this was a big church. I tried to hide here. I said, how many people did you meet today? She goes, I think 46. 
I said, have you been counting? But she was smiling. Why? Because she wanted to be known. Dynamic fellowship. Very, very beautiful. And it's, it's, it's a term we call body life. Okay? That term comes from Ephesians 4.16, which is, and also 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12, 22 through 27. Each person in the body has an intricate purpose. Okay? It's amazing. You are needed. You demonstrate Christ like no one else demonstrates Christ. You are unique and uh, very important in the kingdom. You belong. Uh, Gary and I were talking about this. One of the greatest projections in a church is, do I belong? Do I fit? Who are these people? You know, am I accepted? Settle that early. Settle that early. It's one of the greatest projections and attacks in church planting and church ministries is people's perception of the truth. Not truth, but people's perception of truth. My feelings define what I think is real. Whew, that is a that is a tough one right there. I have to decide that I belong because God led us here and that we are valuable, even if we don't feel like it. Otherwise, we'd be like, oh, the pastor looked at me weird or didn't shake my hand or um, some strange thought will come and become like a, a mountain. The molehill will become a mountain. But we belong, amen? amen. Because of Jesus, right? Amen. Culturally, uh, ethnically, uh, it doesn't even matter. Our church is a miracle, actually. We have, I think we have, I don't know, how many, Pastor Amir, how many nationalities we have in our church? Uh, a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Good answer. Yeah, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> There's four of us right now. Peru, Turkey, Turkey, I mean, Philippines, uh, Daniel, originally, Mexico. Okay. Beautiful. African. Yeah. Africa. Africa. Right. American. American. And the lady in the back, what's your name, dear? Yes, I remember you from my last class. Yeah, great to have you. Yeah. So diversity, right? There's no partiality. It's just beautiful. Differences are beautiful. Okay. A dynamic church includes communion. Communion. Isn't that good? So we believe in the sacraments. We believe in baptism. We believe in remembering Christ. It, it's so interesting. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 11 uh, talks about, do this in remembrance of me. And I, I heard a preacher say that God had to say, do this in remembrance of me, because why? You may forget. You may forget communion. It's like, wait a minute, how could I forget communion? Well, we get lost in busyness, or we get lost in traditions, and we forget the most important thing. I was telling a brother recently, I said, um, you know, one of the great complaints of someone that's hungry is that they forget the taste of food. Right? It's understandable, right? You forget. Like, if I was to say to you, uh, what do strawberries taste like? What would you say strawberries taste like? Thank you, Brandon. That was sweet. Come on now. Juicy. Yeah. Sour. Sour. Okay, if you're eating a bad one. Come on now. What, what, what do strawberries taste like? 
Summer. They taste like summer. There we go. Put some sugar on it. Whoa. That's a trick question. Yeah, it is a trick question. Yeah, you're right. So if we forget, <laughs> if we forget the taste of strawberries, what do we do? We go eat a strawberry. I know this is deep logic here, but um, it, it, is, it is exactly that. Right? Sin takes away my, my taste of a strawberry, right? Figuratively speaking, it takes away my, takes away my taste for God. Or takes, I forget how beautiful a, a service of fellowship and enjoying the Spirit is. I forget it. Why? Because I get lost in, in, some, in some other thing. So the point is, if I forget the taste of something, I just go find it and taste it again. I don't lose the taste of strawberries, right? Forgiveness tastes so good. Grace tastes so good. Love is delicious, right? Whew, delicious. All right. All right, a dynamic church includes consistent prayer, okay? A praying church is a powerful church, right? It's very, Acts 1.14. They were committed in Acts 6.33 to prayer and the teaching of the Bible. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Guess what happens, Guess what happens when there's no prayer? No power. Good. And nothing really lasts, right? So a dynamic church, you're going to find this all in Acts 2.38 through 47. It's a praying church. Okay, I want to when I when we when we're looking to locate and map out for a church plant, what are we doing? Pray. We're praying, right? People oftentimes look at demographics. Okay, these people make six figures. Maybe I'll plant a church here. You know, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe that's not an open area. Maybe it is. Who knows? But we're praying, and God will open the right place. Do, do you have a hand up? Someone have their hand up? Oh, okay. So a praying church. Just interrupt me if you have a if you have a question. Just shout out at me, okay? All right. A dynamic church takes action. Okay, takes action. Now in our church, um, by the grace of God, we're in thirty communities a week on Saturdays. We are on radio. We are reaching, reaching, reaching. We're reaching, reaching, reaching. Okay. A good verse on this is Romans ten twenty one. God was reaching, he reaches all day long. Great verse. His hands were open wide all day long, right? Okay, 1021 of Romans. I'm sorry, my writing's getting smaller. You're going to need to bring binoculars. All right. Uh, next, a dynamic church has a heart for giving and sharing. Giving and sharing, right? The early church, guess what? They sacrificed for the other, right? And I love that. Um, that's one of the greatest ways, because everything speaks to the new visitor, by the way. Everything. Everything. Not just the pastor sharing a great message, but the people in the lobby, the people in the pew, the people in the parking lot, the people at the welcome desk, right? So one of our greatest needs in our church oftentimes is is rise, right? Or just someone to pray or someone just to take time, spend time with people. I had a person today, they said, thank you for spending time with me on the phone today, right? 
Just thank you for your time. What's the greatest thing we can give people? Our time, right? Time. Who has time today? Nobody has time, right? But we carve out time by priority management, right? Priorities. You're a priority to me, right? You're a priority to me. You, you know, being in the moment with people is, is huge. I'm kind of sending, saying a lot of things tonight, but a heart of giving and sharing, right? It's great. Okay, lastly, this is uh, a dynamic church is filled with joy. Okay, that's verse 46 and 47. That's a, this is a great set of verses here. Joy. Joy. Acts 2, 38 through 47. Joy, verse 47. Okay. You know, it's, it's tragic when someone comes to the church and they feel worse leaving than they did coming. That's tragic. Okay, We don't want that. We want conviction, yes. But we don't want people crawling out of the church saying... Man, I just survived that message. You know? No, no, we want joy, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So it doesn't mean we're like we're not like laughing and joking and being like a country club all the time, but there's like there's like a spirit of thanksgiving, a spirit of encouragement and joy. Uh, it's so funny. I've heard people say that. Maybe you have too. They've been to churches where they felt worse leaving than they'd come in. That's the Do not walk, run from that place. Just hightail it. And, uh, I mean, we heard some crazy stories. I mean, haven't we? All of us. Like, somebody said to me the day they went to a church for four years, they didn't even know who their pastor was. Pastor preached a message and then ran out back on his car and took off. Okay, God bless him, but I have no idea what he's doing. You know, a shepherd has to smell like the sheep, right? It's good, right? So you can go up to Pastor Shaw and say, you stink. No, don't do that. You want to smell like the sheep, right? Because how on earth are we going to be able to pray and know what to say know how to minister when we don't even know who we're looking at. Like we know our pastor prays. He labors in the message. He labors uh, for the gospel's sake, right? And we work with him daily, seven on seven, and he is is 100% committed. All right, we're going to close in five minutes for a break. You good for another five? All right, good. I love it. So what is the church? We know that it is, uh, let's turn to 2 Timothy 2.21. It is from the word ecclesia. We're called out ones. So we're going to be different from the world, right? Should the church look like the world? No. no. Okay, we can't compete with Hollywood. They do an amazing job cosmically, (laughs) right? No, we don't need to compete with Hollywood. I don't want to compete with that sewer pipe, right? We want to. We want to just. Uh, we're called out ones, set apart to God. To God. Second Timothy two twenty one. It's a great verse. Um, let's read that. So the church. It's one. It's uh, it's one of the greatest mysteries on earth, isn't it? Good verse for that. Oh, we'll look at that in a minute. Paul says in Ephesians three. I'm speaking mysteries, right? But in 2 Timothy, look at this. It says this, 221. 
It says, okay, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he shall be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work, right? There it is. We are set apart, set apart, right? Set apart for the master's use. I want to show you something interestingly here. Um, yeah, Ephesians 3. Look at this for a minute. This is interesting. So are we going to understand? I mean, is the church always something understandable? No. Right? Like our Bibles. Are we going to understand everything about everything we're hearing? No, we shouldn't, actually. If, if the message is seeker-friendly and we're asking people to, if we have a Sunday school message every time, you know, maybe we'll memorize the, 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 uh, the message. And it shouldn't always be like that, by the way. There should be some depth. But we're never going to attain. We're never going to grasp it because it's something, uh, it's a mystery. Um, look at this in 3.3. This is a great verse. Who wants to read 3 through through 6? Who wants to read that out loud? Go for, go for it, Daniel. Ephesians. Yeah. And that the mystery was made known to me, and I was allowed to comprehend it by direct revelation, as I, as I, as I already briefly wrote you. When you read this, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This mystery was never disclosed to human beings in past generations, and has now been revealed to his holy apostles, consecrated messengers, and prophets by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. It is this, that the Gentiles are now to be followers with the Jews, members of the same body, and joint partakers sharing in the same divine promise in Christ through their acceptance of the glad tidings of the gospel. And then verse 7, please. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God, and to, according to the gift of God's free grace, undeserved favor, which was bestowed on me by the exercise working in all of its effectiveness of his power. Okay, awesome. What translation is that? That's wow, that's good. Don't you love that? Okay, what are some things you pulled out of there? What's the, what's he saying in these three verses? A mystery. A mystery, right? So have you ever sat in a church service and all of a sudden it's like, wow, the message is exactly what I needed to hear, right? Yes. I mean, how many times we thought past our little video camera watching us throughout the week. No, there's no little chips in your house watching you. It's the Holy Spirit. It's a mystery, right? All right? It's awesome. What else, what else stands out to you? Yes. By who? Good. Good, good, good. What's the next thing that stands out to you? Yes. Okay. So you're reaching, maybe you're inviting someone to come to your fellowship, and the unbeliever's kind of looking around. He's like, what is going on? Who are these people? There's so much, there's so much joy here. There's so much love. I had one guy that never wanted to leave the chapel because he said, this is the most peaceful place in my life. I said, you got five more minutes, buddy. No, just kidding. <laughs> I said, take your time. No. Sorry. All right. What's the, what's the, we got a break here. We got a break. So what's the two more things we 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 catch out of this? Um, uh, it's now been revealed by the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. There it is. 
okay? We're partakers of his promise, okay? Again, we're reaching, and then all of a sudden, now it's restoration. You know, I'm not a mistake. I am, I have a purpose. I have meaning, okay? He becomes a minister based on the revelation according to the gift of the grace of God given, there it is, free gift, and it's effectively working uh, power of God in my life. So as we reach and draw people in to hear a word, it transforms and duplicates the work of Christ in my life. And all of a sudden my family gets saved maybe, or maybe all of a sudden my addictions fall off, or maybe uh, I have friendships that actually are something that adds to my life and they're not toxic. That's a beautiful thing too, isn't it? All right, so Ecclesia, we're called out to Christ. And I love this, Acts eleven twenty six, good verse. We're called Christians. What, what's the word Christians mean? Christ followers, Christ-like ones. It actually was a derogatory uh, term, but it's very holy to us. We're Christ-like ones. So we're inviting people to Christ. And that is a journey. And people will not know sometimes where they have come to. <laughs> you ever seen a new person in the church? They're kind of like a deer in headlights, right? <laughs> why is that guy raising his hand? Or, you know, why is, you know, why is that person so glad to see me? Why does that person keep telling me they love me? That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. You don't even know me. How, how, how about this? I had one lady's been in our church 40 years, and I said, I said, what impacted you the first time you came to church? It wasn't the message, even though it was an awesome message. You know what she said? Somebody hugged me at the door. I said, really? I said, that's awesome. And I said, what brought you back? You know what she said? I just wanted another hug. Okay? So... Not that we do that to everybody, because somebody might think we're, I don't know, strange or something. We just we use wisdom, right, Gary? Hey, holy kiss! Okay. Holy, holy! <laughs> They'll be spraying us with uh, sanitizer. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Let's take a break for a few minutes. We'll come back to it. This is part two. So, by the way, I'm recording these. I, I have a little. I'm recording these classes. So. Remember sushi. Sushi, you'll get them for free. No, no apples. My mother used to give out apples for Halloween. God bless my mom. She was such a dear lady. Uh, instead of candy, she's like, I want to give you something healthy on Halloween. The kids didn't like that so well, so they threw them at the house. So, yeah, they threw them at our house. Yeah. So anyway, sushi. Okay, I don't know why I'm talking about sushi. Okay, all right. So I want to talk about five things, thinking like a church planner. Now, I'm going to reflect on this a lot because we're talking about a mystery. So there's not one size that fits all, but I think we just talked about reaching. Remember, we're always initiating the gospel. We're always preaching and demonstrating the gospel. Restoration, right? We're restoring people back to their true identity, right? Why do people leave churches? Why, why is there the unchurched? Why is there the de-churched? We're going to go into that. 
It's really because they become detached from the true message and the true reason of Christ, okay? They get into their own uh, interpretation. And then reproduction, right? Training, discipleship. Uh, we had a question about team building. We're going to spend a lot of, about team building. By the way, we build churches by what? Building people. I wrote a book on this that is, I'm passionate about it because we can mishandle people and that's how people really get hurt and we don't want that. All right, so let me give you five things that will help us understand um, how to think like a church planner. Now, here's some verses that I'd like you to read at your own uh Convenience. It's Acts 14. Acts 14, 21 through 23. And also Acts 15, verse uh, 41. And I love reading the book of Acts because you can see the New Testament church. Mm-hmm. And Ephesians 4:11, the infrastructure or backbone of the church, which we're going to really unpack this semester because. Remember, the church is not an organization, but there's organization, but it's an organism, right? It's not like a business plan. It's something that is um, really organic, right? It's God's church. It's the house of prayer, right? Mm -hmm. So, number one, we're talking about reaching, okay, reaching people. Number two, we're talking about connections, okay? So, a church planter is thinking... How can I reach this person for the gospel? Okay. Second thing they're thinking is how can I connect to this person? How can I connect to them not only with the message of God, but with the spirit of God? Okay. Now that might happen long term through spending time with them, maybe going to their business, uh, maybe listening to their story. Uh, We're learning their story, right? Listening, learning, and then thirdly, loving them with God's story. Okay, the three L's. We're going to unpack that in later classes. We're listening to their story. Because how can you minister to somebody if you don't listen to them, right? You can talk at them. You can talk down to them. But how about speaking to them? That's a, that's a novel idea, right? So we're listening to their story, right? Then we're learning their story, Okay, we're taking the time and saying, just processing, right? Processing where this person's at, sitting where they sit. And then we're loving them with God's story. We have a message for them. It's not conformity. You cut your hair, you dress this way, if you did it, wear this and do that. No, it's not. Our message is not conformity. Thank God for that. It's transformation, and that's a work of Christ, right? So connections, meaningful connections. That's our next class, okay? So we're thinking about how to connect. And I don't know about you. When I listen to people, I pray. I'm like, God, I have no idea what this person's talking about. Or, <laughs> or, <laughs> or it's like they're speaking Greek, and I'm like, no. It's like I pray. I'm like, God, I need a word. I need something to understand the spirit for this person. And you know what? The, the spirit is so faithful, isn't he? Yes, he is. You might say something and you don't even know why you're saying it. The person's like, they're like, their eyeballs are the size of saucers. They're like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. You're like, really? I don't even know what I'm doing. No. We know what we're doing because we're filled with the Spirit. We're filled with the Bible, right? By the way, if we have the Word of God hidden in our heart, 
the Lord will give you an answer for people, okay? All right, a third thing that we see for a church planter is we're meeting the spiritual needs in the other person, okay? We're meeting their spiritual needs, which means uh, maybe someone has physical needs. Maybe uh, a person needs something to eat and they're just very hungry. Okay, no problem. We'll give them a meal. But that's not where my ministry stops. Okay, I'm going to have a word for them, right? If it's at McDonald's or on the side of the street or if it's in the church, it's we're reaching beyond the walls, right? My objective is what? Presenting the, the spirit and love and message of Christ. That's my objective. If that means it's over a hamburger, if that means it's uh, hanging out with a Starbucks coffee, if that means um, whatever, roller skating, and a, whatever. I don't know if anybody does that anymore. But okay. Fourthly, fourthly, it's building people, and this is we kind of this is kind of an overview here. We're building people. Okay. Okay. I'm loving the person in front of me. That's evangelism, right? Okay. It's not. Yes, it's the the spiritual laws. Yes, but I'm loving that person first, right? Missions is loving the person in front of you. Maybe I, maybe my neighbor is just out of their mind. And, and, and instead of like going across town to do some great work, I'm going to love my neighbor first. I'm going to get to know my neighbor. Maybe I babysit their kid or maybe I bring over um, sushi. No, bring over like <laughs> bring over some food, right? Maybe I, uh, maybe I just, I don't know. Wash their car or give them give them like tickets to maybe give them a twenty five dollar gift certificate to go buy groceries. Just we bless our neighbors. It's amazing sometimes, not sometimes, but all the time. When you are generous, you yourself never lack. You ever notice that? Yes. I mean, I mean, we see that in your life, Brandon, big time. A lot of people's lives. You're giving, 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 and God says, "Okay, three uh, three fourteen of Philippians. I'll meet your need too." All right, for number five, team building. And we're going to spend a lot of time with team building. Um, so uh, oftentimes people are needs-driven. This is what we need. Who can meet the need? Uh, you know, we want to reach our community. So uh, instead of uh, thinking and praying and saying, okay, God, what is the spiritual need? We're looking at the problems. We're problems-driven or needs-driven. Okay, that's the quickest way to burn out people is to throw people at needs, right? There's a time for uh, being a, you know, working with solutions and meeting the, meeting the needs, but we're life givers. Okay, that's a, that's, a, that's a phrase I want you to remember. We're not just problem solvers, we are life givers, right? Not just problem solvers, we're life givers. Not just problem solvers, Here's two aspirin, call me in the morning, just wave a magic wand and take care of my marriage problem. Uh, you know, my kids, I, I have a prodigal son, you know, just tell me, give me the formula to win my son back. Okay, that's, the church is not like, that's not the church, right? We're going to help people, we're going to weep with people. A good, a good uh, Romans 12, 10 through 18 this is the heart of the church. We'll weep with those that weep. We will uh, rejoice with those that rejoice. But we are presenting a spiritual answer, right? So I oftentimes in pastoral care, <laughs> I don't have the answer. 
oftentimes. But we're opening the Bible, we're praying, we're supporting, we're seeking God together, and we're training our teams to um, rally around and minister to people in the love of Christ. Okay. All right. So let me give you let me give you a few more points here. I know I got a lot of points tonight. How you doing? You good? Church planter. Okay. Five more things. Okay. Number one, they clearly define their mission. And it keep, they keep it before them in everything they do. Let me say that again. A church planter clearly defines their mission and keeps it before them in all that they do. Let me illustrate. So let's say uh, we're looking, right now we're looking at the city of Atlanta. There's been a group of people down there that have been watching us for two years online. So we st- we're starting to make trips. What's our mission well, our mission is to love the people that we meet. Okay, that might seem a little like uh, mystical. <laughs> but when you start to love people and listen to people, you start to see the real needs in people. Isn't that true? Like God starts to kind of show you the breadcrumbs. This is the next step. This is the next step. So our mission is to, again, uh, reach restore and reproduce so that a church planter is thinking missions uh they're thinking missions they're mission-minded okay and it's keeping us it's we're keeping it in front of us so that we don't are not distracted from our mission right some people might say i dig wells in africa that's a beautiful mission okay and if that's the mission that God calls you to do, then don't do anything else but dig wells in Africa. Some might say, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Christ educator, so I'm a teacher, okay? So let that be your mission. Don't be detracted from that, right? Because somebody once said this to me. I, I, I write, I've, I've written some books, and somebody asked me this question. They said, what is your niche? What is, what is it that you are a master of. And I said, well, I can talk about a lot of things. And you know what the response was? This is what this, is what this guy's response was. He says, you can talk about nothing. I said, okay, I said, let me understand that again. Uh, he says, if you don't have a niche, if you don't, if you're not an expert in something, you can talk about nothing. I said, what do you mean by that? And he says, he says, you can't, you can't just have a broad approach. You have to specialize and have a certain mission to actually bring impact. And that really challenged me. And I talked with him on the phone for about an hour, and we were able to narrow uh, some of my strengths down to three things. And that helped me in writing in particular, because it's the same thing in the gospel. We can try to do everything, but guess who, guess who perishes in the way? You do. I do, right? Because we can't do everything. You ever see Pastor Schaller? He has an awesome team because if he did everything, he'd, he'd be detracted from preaching and being the, or having the responsibilities of a head pastor. So clearly define your mission. That is number one. I want you to really catch that tonight. What is your mission? As a church planter, what are we saying? We're reaching. We're preaching. So therefore, I want to know. I want to know what I'm talking about in the Bible, right? Having the heart and spirit of God. And then reproducing. I want to find other like-minded people. Like Pastor Amir has been in our department, Pastoral Care, for the last six months. Yeah. 
And he is awesome. Like, we've thrown him in the deep end, and he's, he's doing great. Uh, but I never knew this about him. And um, really, he is re- reproducing people after his kind, right? Apple trees produce... Right? You're not going to find like a coconut in an apple tree, right? Hopefully not. Okay. All right, number two, a church planter has an acute sense of urgency about evangelism. They have an acute, acute urgency about evangelism. <laughs> I'll never forget going to the coffee shop with, with Brandon, and I think about this story a lot. I went to the Royal Farms. And um, I'm, my mind is on something else. I'm trying to get something done. There's, there's Brandon. A homeless guy walks in with him, and right? Oh, and, yeah. and you're like buying him lunch, and I don't even, even think you had any money. I don't even know where you got the money. I think you took it out of his can or something. No, just kidding. No, but he is awesome with people, right? So here I am with my little plan trying to get done, and, and there's Brandon just like ministering to this guy. And I'm thinking... We don't have time for this. And the Holy Spirit's like, you're so off right now. You know? So I repented. No. I, re- I think of that a lot. Like, I forgot. Yeah, see? You need to get some strawberries, buddy. Don't forget strawberries. So this testimony is like a strawberry. It's like, so this guy really responded, right? And maybe we never see him again. But the issue is, okay, big thing. The issue isn't getting people into my church. That's not the issue. I want people in my church, but the issue is loving people with Christ's message. That's the issue. Because who knows? That homeless person could have been an angel. Who knows? So the results are the Lord's, right? So, yes, I want people in my church, but guess what? That's not the end game. The, end, the, the first step is, God, it's about you and me, you and me, right? And demonstrating your love to that person in front of me. Okay, that, that is ministry, right? Okay, because by the way, the people you think that are going to come to your church, they won't come. And the people you don't think are going to come to your church will come. And the most amazing people in your church that you think are going to be incredible, they're not going to do anything, maybe. <laughs> and, the, and the ones that you think that shouldn't do anything are the ones that are the most available. So you've got to be careful of that one too, okay? You've got to really train them. Okay, that's a fun one right there. We got a lot of stories there too. Okay, thirdly, uh, a church planter has a has a understanding of the culture they are engaging. A church planter has an understanding of the culture that they're engaging. Okay, now the Lord and His words are timeless, but our but our approach it can't be like. You know, it's got to be relevant. Do you know what I'm saying? So we can be creative. Maybe it's, um, you know, what is an example of a a relevant approach? Give me one. Is it mime relevant? Mime, okay. That works. Yeah. What's another relevant approach? Meeting people where they're at. Yeah. Be more specific, yes. Sketchboard. We did that in Frederick. 
Every demon of the whole area came out to visit us. It was really good. We cast them out and had a good time. But yeah. What, what's another? Meeting in the where they're at. That's big. Tell me more. How do you do that? How do we meet somebody? Where, how would you, what would you say about that? Good. Because that's something that they're engaged with football and sports. So my techniques in, in reaching them, I may put on some basketball shorts or some sneakers Good. and shoot some hoops with them. And then in, in, in if I go into the county where I live at, my ministry and interacting with those kids out there are going to be totally different. Good. So that's why I'm saying, like, meet them where they're at. Excellent. Very good. Very good. So what is our culture today? What it, What is it today? What kind of culture are we living in today? How would you describe it? It's worldly. Worldly? It's a lot of fear. Fear, okay. That's the mood of the culture, good. What else? Pride. Because they pay selfish? Yeah, yeah, very much. Everyone has to be the same. It's divisive. What? Like, like everyone has to be the same. Like no one can be unique. Okay. Like a uniformity. Okay. Good. I'm hearing. I'm hearing demonic spirit. Demonic. Okay. Good. We're in a neo-pagan society. We're in a uh, post-Christian neo-pagan culture. Which is saying this: that people don't want God. And the devil does have an advantage in our culture. So, if you're reaching and engaging people, do not be surprised if you are, uh, if there's a little bit of trouble. Right? And that's good. Because whenever you go to a new place, you want to address the spirit that has been uh, oppressing the people there. Like, honestly, in Frederick, it was crazy. I wish you were there, Brandon. You would have loved this because you, you did this in Delaware with us. Um, we did some evangelism, and I met a lady, and honestly, she was a Hindu, but she was, I, I shared with her the gospel, and then she interrupted me, and she said, you know, she started saying things. And you know how people say things, and your spirit just all of a sudden is, is like awake? Like, this is like anti-God? Well, she started to um, not only criticize, but to um, she began to like um, uh, I don't know if criticize is a good word, but chastise us. And every time I mentioned the word Jesus, she stepped backwards, like physically stepped backwards. And uh, and I said, you know, I said you have a weird spirit. I just told her, I said you have a weird spirit. And then she got even more weird. <laughs> and I just, I just, I just addressed her in, in Jesus' name. I said, you know, she goes, she goes I, okay, this is what she said. I was sent here. I was sent here to uh, cause fear in your life. And she goes, we want you to leave this area. Now, I'm not even making this up. I'm, this was, 
And I said, we are not going anywhere. And you're, I said, in Jesus' name. And I kept saying the name Jesus. And I loved it because it's like you have power in yes. the spirit. And she's like backing up. And you know, I'm like, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> and, she, and she took off, no joke. And then we went and did sketchboard. And we had an incredible time. It was incredible. So there was confrontation. And then there was conversion. It was beautiful. So culture, demonic, neo-pagan, which means idolatry, a lot of paganism. Antichrist, okay? You're going to find people that are wonderful and love to hear what you got to say. Uh, you're going to find just people that are uh, imprisoned, right? So you're engaging them, right? All right, number four. Uh, a church planner is, uh, they are mobilizing the church. They are mobilizers, Okay. So we know that lone, being a lone ranger is not going to go well, right? But we're mobilizers. We're saying, hey, come with me. We're going to just spend some time with this brother. Uh, come with me. We're going to um, help Brandon Allison's parents move a bunch of stuff from their house. By the way, we have to talk about that later. Uh, come, don't do it alone. Just mobilize people. So we manage things and we lead people. Big difference. Manage things, right? We man we're going to talk about this later, but we manage the logistics and details of a project. But people, they're not managers. We're not, we're not managers of people. We're leaders of people. Big difference. A leader's thinking, okay, what are their gifts? Okay. What is it that makes them come alive? That's a good question to ask ourselves. What is it that makes you come alive? What is your passion? Okay. Having Gary, he is an awesome singer. He's an anointed worship leader. Yeah, that makes him come alive. That's not the only thing that makes him come alive, but we could say that it's one thing, right? So we want to do what makes us come alive. And, and as team leaders, we want to be studying our people so that we don't put them in the wrong place. And then expect something from them that they cannot give, right? So we're going to talk more about that. All right, number five. I know we have a lot of info happening tonight. We're thinking strategically about planting more churches. A church planter is thinking how to plant more churches. That's kind of an obvious thing. Now, I have had something in my mind for, I don't know, the last year in my life personally, I have made a resolve in my heart to plant more churches. This is what I want to do. Okay, I'm in Baltimore 100%, but I'm also thinking about how to plant churches. I'm thinking about it every day. Okay. A church planter is what? The rose bush is not going to go in the driveway. The rose bush is not going to go in my front door. Location. Location. And where, where is the spirit moving? And the only way we can know what the spirit is doing is if we're in prayer, meditating. I talked with Pastor Shalos today. I said, Pastor, where is it that you want another Greater Grace Church? Where is the next place? We're talking about Richmond. Richmond. We're talking about Richmond. We're talking about Atlanta. We're talking about Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky. We're talking about South Dakota. Amen. We're talking about the United States. Okay. All right. So thinking like a church planner. Okay, give me the five. What are the five things we just said? Clearly defining the mission. Good. Keep it in front of you. Keep it in front of you. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it? We can put things down so quickly and pick up another thing so quickly. And all of a sudden we're like... 
you know, we're underwater basket weaving when we should be preaching the gospel. Okay, what's the, what's the third one? Someone's listening. Acute, urgent. Now, if the building's on fire, am I going to just say, you know, just want to let you know your building's on fire. And I really hope that you leave the building. And gosh, you, no, no, we're going to have urgency, right? Now, urgency doesn't mean we're hellfire and brimstone. Uh, but we are, we are passionate. Okay. What's the fourth thing? Understanding the culture. Understanding the culture, right? Understanding the culture. Now, we are in a neo-pagan, so that means we're in a gender-confused day. Okay? Am I going to make the issue about gender confusion? That's not, that's not where I'm going to start. That won't go far. Okay? Do I hate that? Absolutely. But I'm not going to start there. I want to build a capacity so there's a ministry opportunity, right? What's another thing in our culture? It is anti-church, right? So do I want to be all roses about the church? No. I want to present Christ, and then as people come to the church, they're going to understand the value of coming to church, right? A lot of people know what the church stands against, but they don't know what this church stands for, right? Oh, we're in a, just a crazy day. Yes. The, the world's also very led by their emotions. Okay. So like, how could you reason with them? Hmm. Good question. Fearful, right? How do you talk to a fearful person? Build confidence. What's that? Build confidence Okay, so give me an example. Let's say you're talking to somebody and they're just uh, maybe depressed, anxious, fearful. What, where would you start? What would, what would be your opening love. engagement? Okay, love. Love cast out fear. Okay. Anything? They are identity. Okay. Identity. Give me an example. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, you know, scriptures, you know, but power, love, sound mind. Those type of scriptures. Okay. Let's say I don't believe in the Bible. Why are people fearful? Why are people anxious? Unknown. Okay, excellent. That's exactly the word I was thinking. Unknown and things they can't control. Death. They're afraid of death. Sometimes you got to put the cat on the table. Say, so, you know, I was afraid of death at one point. Then I met Christ. And you know what? Today, I understand what's after death. How can you understand what death's all about? Well, I have a Bible. Oh, that, that book was written by a man. And I said, yeah, 40 different men over 1,500 years. You're right. Let me tell you about this love letter. It's like sometimes addressing the gorilla in the room, right? And it's unknown, and it's absolutely things they can't control. So that's a great point. So I might start off with the gospel gun. Sure. But I want to start by relating to where they are, because I'm there too. Do I have fear in my life? Yes, but it doesn't control me. Right? I'm not. I'm not, not some superhuman person. Neither are you, right? But I'm not going to say I don't struggle with it. No, no. I I have those things in my life, right? Courage is not the absence of fear, but guess what? Courage is that something greater. Something greater is in my life, right? Same thing as as believers. 
we are we have something greater in our life, right? Great point. But what is the answer to fear? Eventually, it's like perfect love casts out fear. We know somebody that has is standing on the other side of death. Right? Death is not the end. Life turns into eternal life, right? So the church is a place where people come and get answers. Why do people leave church? Because they don't get the answers they're looking for. Yes, Brandon. I was thinking of Pastor Mahib's testimony because he was devout Muslim and he was in an online chat room with a bunch of other devout Muslims and there was a Christian Muslim or a Christian man who was a Muslim became Christian and he was trying to share the gospel and talk about the Bible and God's love. And the, the 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 group of Muslims were making fun of him and bashing him and just going at him like emotionally, right? And he was staying. He was like his his foundation was secure, so he wasn't reacting to that, but just continuing in love, letting them sort of in a way beat on him, but returning love to them and just keep speaking the truth. And that's what drew Pastor Mahib mm. to that. It's like I, something different about this. I think I think that's sometimes that can be something we that can be used. It's like when the emotions are high and there's that interaction that we don't become emotional with them. Excellent. But that we stay grounded in the spirit of love, and and it's like what you guys have already been saying about like going to the root issue mm-hmm. and kind of staying in, in that place with the person, <laughs> loving them in, in return. Really important. If you and I get animated and reactionary and turn or burn that kind of thing, uh, that will that that will be a negative uh, testimony for sure. So, I mean, are you gonna you and I gonna win 100% of the people 100% of the time? No, but we might reach the the Mohibs, right? Great point. Great point. Anybody else? Good stuff, huh? Yeah, awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, the church is a place of encouragement, discipleship, and accountability. Okay. So, a mission-minded person is okay. What's my purpose here? I want to encourage this person. It's the same principle of homiletics. If I introduce many themes, guess what? People are not going to grab a hold of anything. Mm-hmm. But if if we say one thing different ways and we say I want you to take this home that God is in God is in control God knows the unknown let's just say that I know I know somebody that knows everything oh you're like really who's that you know it's not it's not like this uh, it's not the psychic down the street either it's it's Christ oh you mean the you mean Christ the God of the Bible thousands of years ago like like this is this is the cultural disadvantage that we have is that the way we were brought up in traditionalism there is such a rebellion against it where uh, you know that's why you have to be in the moment with people maybe it's a word like Brandon said maybe it's just the way you respond our approach is everything if we stoop and go low and get into lower emotions, then, then we, are, um, we may uh, backfire the testimony of Christ.
All right, let me let me come, let me close with this. So encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. Uh, I love to say this to people. Like, heard any good news today? That's a great icebreaker, isn't it? You know, it's it's just again, it's the principle of approach. You don't want to be high and mighty coming down. You want to be this. You want to be relatable. Okay, relatable, encouraging. Heard any good news today? Oh, uh, not really. I said, you know what I heard today? They're like, what? I'm forgiven. It's like, it's like, what language are you speaking? It's like we're speaking another language. I'm forgiven. Or I just learned I'm going to heaven. Isn't that? You want to hear how? It's like having that. Well, we're reaching, and then also we're um, restoring people to their true purpose in life. Hey, I'm going to heaven when I die. Really? What are you talking about? Do you know that Corona? The coronavirus, um, you could play off, play off words and just say, um, the greatest infection in the world is not coronavirus. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> it's sin. It's like, what does that even mean? It's like, it's like God will give you creativity to like be relatable and enjoy. I, you know, again, it's like I was talking with a lady at Home Depot and I was buying some paint and and I don't know this person. I was just having some fun. She looked like she was having a pretty down day. You know, I would be too if I was 10 hours at the cash register in Home Depot, you know. But she's like, I'm buying my paint. And she's like, uh, working on some projects. I said, yeah. I said, you know, I said, paint covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> she goes, I like that. <laughs> and I got to give her the gospel. I said, this is just, in a, you know, creative way like, God, God covers our, our messes in his great love. And the lady just like immediately like, bing, she came to life. It was like, it's like when you start to communicate our true purpose, people come to life, right? The church is a dynamic place. It's not a place where everyone's like in straight jackets, you know. It's a, it's a place where there's joy. Is there, is there a mess? You know, Isaiah, this is a good verse. Isaiah. One, three through six. The stall is clean when there's no horse. That's a great verse for a church. But when there's a, a when there's a horse in the stall, guess what's also there? I'll let you figure that out. It's the same thing. It's like there's a mess when there's people. But guess what? God supersedes that. And we're not there to control people. We're there to love people into change, not demand change. Encouragement, discipleship, and accountability. So, this is church ministries. We're going to have a lot of fun this semester. And hopefully it will be practical. And uh, hopefully this is a good start. Any questions before we close?